can't deliver DiGiorno? It says so right on the side of the truck! And welcome back. This is the Grinding Gear Podcast. I'm Garrett. He's Kyle. And we knew, well, sort of, that scheduling was going to be a nightmare in November. All the things are happening and it have yet to happen at the time of recording this, but things are going to be happening when the week that this is supposed to go up. So I'm here. Kyle's here. But we're not Hi. on camera, and we're not live. This is our first non-live episode since our first episode of the Grinding Gear podcast, Kyle. <laughs> Which wasn't numbered, so technically those were bonus shows of some kind. Oh, actual number one wasn't live either. Oh, oh, that's right. Not that right. anyone that's... cares. Yeah, that's right. But oh, in yeah. the deep lore of the Grinding Gear podcast, the first episode mm. was not recorded live. Of course, of course. We got a hot pile of questions that have been building up over a long, long time. So we're going to address lots of those today. Uh, do, do we need like a pass system? Because we, we didn't really prepare these. <laughs> so, you know, you just yell pass. Just yell pass. I mean, I mean yeah. we, can, we can, no is an answer, Kyle. No is an okay. answer. I have no experience with what you're asking me about is also an answer. These are all perfectly fine answers. Yeah, we're, we've got a big backlog of questions. Uh, you've got a baby on the way. I'm, uh, at the time you're hearing this, currently in... Burbank, California, hosting a Hearthstone event. Uh, please go watch it and be nice to me because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people in the chat being pretty mean to me. Oh, uh, sure. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This guy quit Hearthstone. How dare he host an event about his literal favorite character in any video game ever that he's devoted his life to? Um, he had a voice in his ears and eyes and lights in his face and cameras and a script that he was reading, and he didn't know three plus two at an instant. This guy can't math. He got the lethal wrong, even though we got lethal wrong in every single game. <laughs> Uh, th- thanks, Kyle. I didn't think about uh, about uh, seven of those seventeen uh, complaints that you just mentioned. Yeah, there you now go. I'll be thinking about that when I'm when I'm on uh, when I'm yeah. in that studio. I was just trying to de-escalate your main focus. Oh, of, wonderful! Uh, cool. Yeah. Um, cool. There you go. Cool. Wonderful. Well, I appreciate appreciate out. your support, bro. You're welcome. Anytime, man. You're gonna do great. You're gonna do great. I appreciate, uh, dude. I'm, I'm You're doing leg- great. I'm legitimately excited. I'm legitimately excited. This is uh, I can't think of a more perfect event for me to be involved with. I'm so, I'm I'm legitimately hyped. Like I'm legitimately hyped. Uh, Arthas is cool as it as it. I, I like Arthas as it turns out. Um, yeah, but today Big we're gonna deal. we're gonna work through your back catalog. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna start specifically with non Final Fantasy fourteen related questions. So we're gonna end with Final Fantasy fourteen specific questions. So that's how we're breaking it up today. If you want to be a part of these uh, of these mailbags, and we also answer we do Q and A at the end of every single episode. We don't just wait for special mailbag episodes, but you can do so. By sending an email to feedback at startgrindinggear.com, or if you're supporting us on Patreon or are a member of our YouTube membership, the Gearbox, as we like to call it, uh, we've got a dedicated channel in our Discord for our members where you can uh, drop questions, literally called questions for the hosts. You, you put questions there, and if we don't answer them right away, we'll pull them for a later episode. And, um, well, we've got quite the back catalog, so... We're going to start off. Ipryx asked, have you seen the Tactics Ogre screenshot contest and follow up? What are your thoughts on tactical RPGs? 
Uh, Tactics Ogre comes up a lot. Yes. I know nothing about it. Other than it it's, looks like Final Fantasy Tactics, and I'm assuming that's why there's such a massive crossover with the audience that consumes what we make. Right. And it's very um, uh, Advance Wars-y. I've never played anything but Advance Wars. These games are very long, but the content for them is very easy to make, so I understand why they're long. I uh, I don't have a deep history with them, but I do like them. I've barely scratched the surface of the original Final Fantasy Tactics because when we were doing the Evil East raids, everyone and their mother recommended I go play it. Um, I, I mess with it on my phone a little bit. I don't. I uh, actually that, that's too soft. I fucking hate <laughs> the phone controls. Wow. They're ter- The phone controls are terrible. I need it. I need it. I need buttons, man. I, I, this is the, not the way I want to play this. I, I'm, I need to go get an emulator or an actual like track down a PSP on eBay. I, I can't I, I, I can't do it. Plus, right now, finishing as always finishing my master's. I have four weeks left. I have four weeks, three weeks left when you're hearing this. Um, almost done, and then I'll be looking for uh, places to spend my time uh, as a video game vampire. Um, but uh, but yeah, man. Um, overall, I like them, but I don't have a, a ton of experience. I played a little bit of uh, Final Fantasy Tactics Advance on the Game Boy Advance back in the day. Borrowed it from a friend. Wasn't my own copy. Definitely didn't beat it. And uh, barely ever tried Advance Wars. But I think they're cool. <laughs> Sam, yes! Seeing if memory is correct, uh, the getting hit by a coward bat story. Do you have a bad story? I don't have a Were bad you story. Were what, what, you got hit by a cow? Is this a story I almost, you were supposed to tell? I meant, this was a, a, a cliffhanger in one of our previous episodes. I uh, I said, Kyle, remind me at some point to tell you the story about how I almost got run over by a cow. Oh. But the mentioning of a bat story is like, was that you? Do you I have don't a remember ba- a bat story. Do you story. have a bat story? Okay. No, right. no. Let's hear the cow story, though. Okay, yeah. So I... Um, I spent my early years in the suburbs. I was a little, I was a suburban kid, lived in a cul-de-sac, ran around on my bikes. It was very ET stranger things, but early nineties. Um, but, uh, right before, right before puberty, uh, sold that house, moved out to the middle of freaking nowhere, uh, where my parents still live to this very day. If you've ever seen pictures from, uh, my, my wedding that Kyle was at, I share pictures from that, uh, about once a year when the anniversary comes around, because there's like these wonderful pictures of Kyle and me dressed like hobos, uh, preparing where my parents live to, to, to have my wedding. Um, and, uh, that's, that's where they still live. They live out in the middle of nowhere. They're very close to a major river in Venice, Florida. Uh, they just suffered some serious flooding from the hurricane cause they are in a flood zone. They're fine. Everything's fine. Everything's basically back to normal except for some dead grass. And, uh, that's where I spent my, my teenage years, uh, and, and so I went from being a suburban kid to a Florida redneck real fast. Uh, it was, it was a learning curve, Kyle. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they, they bought the property. There was no house on it. We rented a, a house literally across the street forever, you know, before they decided to finally build something out there that we could live. And the only thing that was out there was this tiny crap ass, like mini barn. It looked, I think 4-H previous like some 4-h was used to be involved with the property that my parents bought and this was this little crappy barn with some old rusty gates that they must have kept like goats or something in there's like okay seven people who are like hell yeah i know exactly what 4-h is uh, every time you say an adjective i think it's about to be the cow so wh- where's the cow uh it so 
because we didn't live on the land, the grass would grow really tall. And it's like 10 acres, man. And my dad didn't have a tractor yet. We had no way to maintain the land. So we met the neighbors of the surrounding property. And we were like, yo, anytime you want to let your cows over on our property, go for it so that they eat the grass. And so neighbor cows would come on my folks' property and and eat the grass. And this is a regular occurrence, went on for years. One of the days, the the crappy, rusty gate on this shitty barn got open. A cow went inside, gate closed behind it. God knows how many days it was stuck in there. We found it one Sunday while tending the land, and uh, we let the cow out. It was clearly very dehydrated, and the only thing it wanted was water. There's a pond on my parents' property. It's through like this densely wooded section that kind of only has one path to the pond. And I was standing in the middle of that path between this massive dehydrated cow and the only source of water (laughs) on the property. Okay. That is how I had an Indiana Jones boulder running experience, but from a fully grown Florida cow. (laughs) I see. Thing was full, full, full gallop. As much as a cow can gallop, that's how fast this cow was running towards me. And so towards the water, towards the water, but I was in the way on this densely right. packed like Florida trail through this this dense kind of like kind of mini forest that's on my folks' property. And to the right and left, it's just like p- palmetto bushes and, and shit that'll cut you up. Um, and uh, so you were in an alley, like you couldn't easily dive to the side. Not easily, no. Plus panic. I've never been chased by a friggin' cow before. I was not prepared for this. So I just went the uh, I just I just ran. Uh, and it's one of those moments where I'm sure it was like all of two seconds, but it feels like forever. Uh, eventually, there was a tiny little opening behind between some palmetto bushes. And I just dove in, prayed I didn't get bit by a snake because that's what they love to hide. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was terrifying. <laughs> hmm. And that's that's the cow story. All right. All right. Congrats. I'm glad you dodged. Uh you know, the, the bushes help it avoid a Prometheus moment. So well done there. A prom- oh, yeah, well, the, the, that's one of the many reasons Prometheus is a terrible script because there was nothing stopping Shirley right. Theron from just turning left or right. Yeah, there should have been some bushes or something like that. Anything at all. Anything at all. Yeah, would have been would have been nice. Uh, Ravio asks, any memorable commuting experiences you guys can recall? This is such hmm. a bizarre question. <laughs> That's very, uh, it's very unique. Um, I wonder, I wonder if they were having a commute, one of those commutes, and they decided to ask this as well. I mean, a lot of them are fading from memory because the majority of them are Chicago based. Mm. So commuting to work in the, the elevated train of Chicago, which was full of characters. Um, did you ever fight <laughs> Ra's al Ghul? No, no. I mean, it was kind of neat the first couple of times you wrote it because it was definitely the Batman Begins train set. Um, but like memorable. I mean, honestly, the things I remember these days is the uh, trope alert from Scott Johnson's Frog Pants film sack. He would hit that button and it would scare the crap out of me because it kind of sounded like an alert for the train. There, there are all sorts of like creepy moments, you know, where as a tall guy, you could see over the crowds and you would see people getting weird Ooh. on said trains. Ooh, gross. Yeah. Yeah. But I I mean, you know, in that sort of vein, like it, there was a couple really macking out on the monorail at uh, at Magic Kingdom. 
<laughs> and that was probably the that was weirder than people macking out on the train in Chicago. You know, that's just city. You're on your way home, you know, whatever. You're going to your house. But here we are in the middle of magic freaking kingdom. You know, calm down a little bit. Yeah, I was honestly probably guilty of that, but that would have been Bush Gardens. I definitely was uh, macking out at Bush Gardens. <laughs> Everyone does it. Everyone's at Bush Gardens, right? <laughs> you got to elevate it and class it up a little bit for Disney Robo Bush Gardens. You know, and right? I think I did it at Disney too. I'm trying to grad night, I think, probably. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Started thinking, I was like, most of the time spent at Disney, I've been an adult and I, you know, I, I have, I have, I have a room to go get. I don't need to be doing this stuff in public anymore, but yeah, no, 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 there's grad night. There's, there's always grad night. Anyway, um, I don't think I really do. I, I, I know, I know the nightmare that is trying to go from the Valley to the coast on the 405 because for a year and a half, that was my commute. It was a 13 mile, two hour commute when I lived in Sherman Oaks, California, but Whoa. I worked on Pico Boulevard. Um, and that just sucked absolute ass. Everyone knows like I'm a, I'm a massive car nerd. Like I like, I like cars and specifically I'm very into sports cars. And, uh, I still had such shell shock from, from that, that freaking commute, uh, that when I moved back to Florida, even though I didn't have a bad commute like that anymore, I got a Prius. I actually have had a Prius, which I would describe as a absolutely soulless driving experience. Like it made me, it made me feel the antithesis of, of things. Um, really good appliance though. My God, a lot of trunk space in a Prius. Holy shit. Um, <laughs> but I, I love it the way I love a toaster, which is to say, I really have no emotional connection whatsoever. Um, it does its job. Yeah, it, it is. It is a means to an end and nothing more, but that's how much I was traumatized from, from just sitting in traffic every day. And, uh, but no, not really. We we took a taxi one time from Anaheim. This was after BlizzCon. We took a taxi one time, Katie and me. We went from uh, Anaheim, California to wherever the hell in Los Angeles they have their cruise ship docks because we did a three-day cruise after BlizzCon one year because BlizzCon is basically our wedding anniversary. We got married at the end of October and the beginning of November is always BlizzCon. And so we're like, oh, let's let's take a couple day cruise. It's not that expensive. We'll we'll do our anniversary right after BlizzCon. So that's what we did. And dude, it was like this old Lincoln with that. You know, you ever been in an old a car with old leather seats? You, you know, well, like it, the one big couch. Yeah. yeah. But you you know you open the door and you can just smell the old leather. It just smells like leather that's mm. been baking in the sun. Yeah. And you sit in it and it's softer than leather should be. It was that. Or, and if you could imagine sitting in that in that experience for two hours while the driver, who was an older man, just refuses to shut up, just talks nonstop for two hours. And when he heard we were at BlizzCon, I would say about an hour of those two hours was him complaining about how he one time picked up some higher end, higher end executives from Blizzard, and they didn't tip particularly well. Wow. Yeah, just uh. a full hour complaining about how some Blizzard event, and he was just like, ah, they barely talked to me, and they didn't tip very well, and, I, and I'm sitting here going, gee, I can't imagine why. I can't imagine why <laughs> anyone would find you not the most delightful person in the world. It, I mean, it depends, right? Sometimes uh, Lyft drivers and the Ubers can be quite chipper. You know, they, they talk a lot, but you can see that they have a joy to their life. If they're going to complain, you know, that's a, that's a bit of a different story, uh, you know, or creep or whatever their kind of 
autopilot is. Yeah, dude, the other hour was like the the greatest hits of uh, older generations opinions about uh, younger generations playing video games. Like, sure. I mean, just I was so uninterested in what this man had to say. (laughs) The BlizzCon Lyft drivers are always just an absolute crapshoot. Like I've had stone to the bone driver, just like you, you fear for uh, traffic safety and those I, around you. I, I honestly usually get folks that, that uh, just don't talk uh, at BlizzCon. Uh, but every once in a while, I've had maybe two or three <laughs> Lyft or Uber drivers during BlizzCon that are massive Blizzard fans that just start going off. They're like, oh man, I used to play. Oh man, one time I played World of Warcraft for 72 hours straight. <laughs> like I've had that experience at <laughs> least twice sure. in, in an Uber. And that's always fun. But uh, yeah, other than that, I mean, I've been, uh, I've had, you know, knock on wood, uh, pretty uneventful commuting experiences. And now I just oh, okay. don't commute anymore. I mean, yeah, luckily, like the, the, the lack of commute is very welcome. Um, granted, you know, moving in your own mobile to work, you know, it wouldn't be, uh, for the most part, a pretty standard affair. Nothing too big is going to happen. But I remember once I was going to, I think I was on my, the way to our A-Move Con there, our little podcast con we put back together. And what was that, like 2000? Create Con was... 18? Yeah. Oh, wow. That late? 17? Okay. That recent? Surely longer ago. I think it was 17. When was, um, because the, the Hearthstone Adventure One Night in Karazhan was announced that weekend. Um, oh, 2016. Sorry. 2016. Okay, 2016. Cool. Anyway, uh, so I'm up, I'm next to this old lady and she's freezing. She's like, she's got all her little blankets out of the thin little blanket. Just this little frail waif of a woman. And she kind of like hunkers down, starts sliding down her seat in the airline next to me, the, you know, the passenger seat, and she's just freezing cold. And I watch as she kicks off her shoes in her sleep, some reason, maybe autopilot, and then her feet start traveling inside my bag. Like they make, they go into my foothold and enter my, my side satchel and begin to cozy up in there. Dude, what yeah. the hell? <laughs> yeah, I mean, she was wearing like a like a pantyhose, like a, she had, she had like tights on, but you know, like old lady tights, like you know, they're, they're those Ooh. black and kind of see through half half these ones, and, and they're just wiggling their way into my Indiana Jones style bag. I still have that bag. I still love that bag. I'm, I use I'm it hope, everywhere. I hope you like hit it with some Lysol. Uh, yeah, I did what I could to recover from the situation. But. I'm so sorry. I am. I'm like legitimately like I feel for you right now. That's disgusting. Did you say anything? Uh, what was I going to say? Like she looked like the woman from the start of Ghostbusters. I don't, I don't care. I would I, like, I would have uh, done a polite uh, shoulder tap and been like, I'm, I'm very sorry. But would you would you mind removing your 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 disgusting feet from my bag? please? I let it ride. I eventually Boy, she like, you are kinda, like, I'm, you know, no, listen, man, I, I try not to judge. I'm I'm deeming you too polite. You you are officially too polite. You 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 have earned uh, like a title unlocked. Kyle she worked the her feet out of that bag by the time she woke up, so there was nothing really to talk about. I just uh, let it exist. You like know what? You like, know what I would have done. You know what? I actually, mm-hmm. this is how I would have played it. I would have pulled the bag out to rummage for something. Oh yeah, see if you had to get and then been like, oh oh, what is this? What a bizarre um, happening! And I, I didn't notice before this moment. Yeah, exactly. It would have. Yeah, that's exactly that's that's what it, that would have been my play. Because mm. then 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 it's on them to be embarrassed. Mm. You just grab it without that. You just you play it like you're just muscle memory. I'm pulling my bag out from under the. the was this an airplane? Panics. 
I froze. Yeah, this was an airplane. Yeah. Um, Ugh, it was yeah. Southwest. Hey. Hey, man. Uh, you're you, Kyle, Kyle Ferguson, known, uh, very kind to old lady dude. Yeah. <laughs> I did what I could <laughs> in the situation. <laughs> All right. Badger Bro asked, what is your favorite non-MMO video game or game franchise of all time and why? Oh, man. So many have come and gone. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, game franchise. I mean, I like, I love the Dark Souls. I want more Dragon Age, but they're so, I think, lost in their own lore. I'm not too excited about this new one anymore. Uh yeah, we just don't we, we don't make co-tours anymore. It, it almost admitting a favorite video game franchise, I want to immediately counter by saying, "Oh, I'm not that excited about it anymore." Just so I don't get hurt. I do. I'm not. I mean, honestly, yeah, all of my answers are probably are not. I don't really like them currently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, for the longest time, I would have said I would have window slammed Half Life, but there is no franchise that has pissed me off more. Mm. <laughs> than half-life at this point nothing has broken my heart more there there is no studio on earth i will not forgive more than valve yeah they are uh, public yeah. enemy number one as far as i'm concerned and i still want a steam deck and i will probably eventually buy one but you're the worst gabe newell you're the worst yeah so i, w- I would say uh dragon age kotor Mass Effect, like back when those were the premier choose your own adventure gaming experience and less action titles. Mm. Yeah, I uh, Zelda is another one go for for the longest time. I would have said Zelda, but honestly, I don't like Breath of the Wild. And the fact that the next Zelda game is a direct sequel bums me out. Um, so, yeah all of my answers are like they, they, they eventually fell off for me. <laughs> they all turned villain in the end. Starcraft, right? Like they all, they all just lost their way. Yeah. So long ago. Yeah. Yeah. Even if I were to like cheat and say Warcraft, which gets in the MMO, it's like, eh, it kind of has pissed me off recently. Dragon flight yeah. is looking all right. And people I trust are saying it's good, but um, yeah, it's, a lot of like weirdly, I think like it's so. I mean, a lot of my answers are basic, but but it's so basic. You know, what hasn't broken my heart is is Naughty Dog. Naughty Dog has not broken my heart yet. Okay, I, I would still, say from soft. I still love every game they put out. Like I have my I have those that I like more than others, but I I still think they make a stellar product. From soft Dark Souls games, like I just I, I just like them. They're all good. They're all good in unique ways. I haven't played um Bloodborne. I've never played that mm. one. I want to someday. But. You know, you know what I could say and and mean it mm. still to this day. Portal. Portal's good. Portal. Portal just two. In my mind, perfect games. If they never make another one, I I can I can die happy with two, and how it ended. Um, my answer might be Portal. All right. You, you could yeah, have had this half-life. You could have had this. All you had to do was not literally be the worst thing that ever happened to video games. Just forget about making games. Yeah. Make all the money on a store. Yep. It is a good store, though. It's, I think this is part of the reason I literally can't bring myself to love Dota 2. Because I blame it for part of, of Valve's descent into we don't care about making games anymore. 
I mean, that's that's a fascinating conversation of its own as these juggernaut games that demand your time uh, to such a degree that falling off of them or moving away from them feels tough to get back into. Uh, I mean, certainly I feel that way about MOBAs right now. Like, I, I'm not able to compete given my time and my other requirements. So I'm not currently playing one, but I do miss it greatly. I, I do miss being good and striving to be good at something. Mm. Mythos Midnight asks, was there ever a moment where you felt your significant others outnerded you? Oh God, plenty of times. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Jesus. Not even hard to pick one. <laughs> I mean, Kristen doesn't allow me to say I've ever beaten a Dark Souls because I never beat the expansions and she's beaten them all. Mm. She is the Dark Souls number one fan uh, when it comes to all that stuff. I don't think she ever beat Sekiro, but you know that's on the to-do list. Uh, you can you can shame her for that. I, I didn't technically beat it either because I apparently did the evil ending, which is slightly shorter than the good ending, and the good ending has more bad guys, has more. Can you bosses. can you save scrub that? Can you like go back to your? I don't think so. Because I know I you can for like... um you can for Elden Ring. You can save scrum to see all the oh. endings. Interesting. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Um. I didn't prepare uh, said file if that was the case. Mm. Yeah, this, this has been multiple moments. The big ones that stick out for me with, with Katie is, is just stuff that I, uh, we know each other for a long time. We met freshman year of high school uh, and we, we had a 1.0 relationship where we dated from high school to college before we kind of, <laughs> before our, the shop was redone. Yeah. Yeah. Before we, you know, broke up, tried to do the, we're mad at each other thing, stayed friends and eventually got back together. Um, but, uh, yeah, like when we first started dating, I, there was a lot of things that she was into that was like really, you know, like genre, like genre heavy that I was never exposed to. She was the one who got me into horror as a genre. Like I, you know, I had a few things that was genre or horror adjacent, like being a fan of alien and whatnot, but I never watched full on horror movies. Um, and she was like, what the frick do you mean? You don't want, you don't like horror movies. And then she immediately took Freddie versus Jason was in the theater and she's like, we're sneaking into this. Cause we were not old enough to see it yet. We weren't 17 yet. Um, and then the, that I just thought was like such a campy fun time that then I, I proceeded to go watch every single nightmare on Elm street movie in order, uh, started getting into Friday the 13th. Um, that's eventually how I, I, I fell in love with evil dead because I was like, Oh, this, what I like about this is it's kind of funny. And that's how I found evil dead and all that stuff. That, that was all because Katie being like, you're, you're going to watch horror movies if this is going to work. Like, <laughs> so there was that. And then, uh, later in life, um, actually right before we got married, I found out she was a raging wrestling fan growing up, like huge into WCW. Um, cause sting returned to wrestling in the, early 2010s uh, started wrestling in WWE and she found out and was like, Oh my God, we need to, we need to watch, we need to watch WWE. And I was like, what, what do you like wrestling? <laughs> She's like, yeah, I like wrestling. And yeah, there's this whole thing. Like she just like started going off about all the storylines and the wrestlers that she was really into when she was a kid. And I was like, Holy shit. You're like, you were really in this. Yeah. Well, it's like a soap opera. It's a ongoing tale. It's a linear journey. I, I think wrestling fans are frankly adorable. I've I got to go to a couple projected on inflatable TV parties uh, in uh, Southern Florida, and I just thought it was the best time. Yeah, and very recently, because um, we just went to, literally like a couple weeks ago, we were 
we were watching, we were, you know, every October we watch a lot of horror movies and, uh, you know, you, you have the, 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 you have the, the fun conversations Oop, as I'm dropping things. Sorry. I'm messing with my lozenges still a little bit of sore throat. Um, uh, you know, having those fun conversations you do with your, with your significant other being like, Hey, so like you got to choose, you know, uh, uh, Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger, Jason, and Katie just like windmill slam. She's like Michael Myers. And I was like, really? Cause like, I don't really like Halloween all that much. Not probably my least favorite of the three. And through the course of this conversation, it became apparent. I had never seen the original (laughs) and never seen the original Halloween to which I was promptly shamed. And then we spent $3 to rent it because it's not streaming anywhere for three. And we don't have a version that isn't like a bad low quality DVD in the house. And I'm like, if it's going to be my first time, I know this was shot on film. I at least want an HD version. Um, so yeah, that was the most recent time I felt out because, because I got shame for not having watched the original Halloween. Uh, and by the way, I have now seen it. The original Halloween is kind of amazing. Yeah. It might yeah. be legitimately the, like the, 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 it's like a real filmmaker's film, like of, of, Compared to the original Friday the 13th and compared to the original Nightmare on Elm Street, and listen, I love the original Nightmare on Elm Street, don't get me wrong, but Halloween is like actually a well-made film. Like it holds up to, to, to snooty film scrutiny, I think, like is very well shot. The cinematography is fantastic. It's legitimate. It's, it's good. It's a good-ass movie. I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm sorry, Michael Myers. Your sequels kind of suck. Well, yeah, there was also a lot of them or a lot of remakes or relaunches. So understandable that you missed the boat. Yeah. Yeah. I do like that 2018 one, though. The, the sequels to that really bummed me out, though. We watched the most recent one. What is it? Halloween Ends? Halloween Kills was really bad. Halloween Ends was a little bit better, but still bad. And the 2018 Halloween I legitimately like. It's, hmm. it's weird. It was all made by the same team. So I don't I don't know what the hell happened. It got weird, man. It got it got weird. Two is so bad. The, the second one is so bad. I find it amusing. Like I laughed while watching it. So for the wrong reasons. So anyway, Drygon asks, uh, games much like a good book or movie can inspire an emotional response in us. What's one of the best moments you can remember? And one of the worst, one of the worst, one of the worst gaming moments. Yeah. Like emotional where I was like angry at a game. I mean, then I just think of like, bad games uh i i uh, the, the, the first the, the first uh force unleash game is the first time i've ever had buyer's remorse from it like i legitimately wanted a goddamn <laughs> refund that game was so freaking bad mm. um that's probably that game was just terrible but that was more because of the controls at the time i was a teenager so i liked the extremely campy like fan fiction story they were telling A lot of mine are going to be, um, I, I rarely, I don't think, man, I don't think I've ever cried to a video game. I've cried in some movies, certainly. Um, I've but, got, I can think of two games where I got misty eyed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, the end of the first red dead redemption. Actually, they're both basically Westerns and the end, uh, the last of us. Okay. Yeah. Actually, you know um, what that tell that uh, Telltale Walking Dead game too? The first one they put out back when Telltale was, you know, kind of a hot studio name. 
Right. Right. I, I, I watched Kristen play through good chunks of those. I wasn't there for all of it, but I know there were some big emotional moments in those. I just don't, it, it, it'd probably be healthier. You know, you cry and get over it and move on. But instead I kind of sit in post book depression, you know, post book, just a, Oh, and I get that whenever I beat something really good. Sometimes I've been disappointed and still had that like Mass Effect 3. I'd say that's one of the worst where I had that feeling of, oh my goodness, I finished a great book, but the ending sucked. And the better one would have been like Mass Effect 2. Like I just wandered around a husk of a person for a solid month after finishing Mass Effect 2. It was just so good. And it was so left so undone. It was such a great moment with the Omega 4 Relay. I was there. I was there. I did it unprepared. Watched, you know, people in my crew die, which is totally the way to do it. Like, don't look up a guy. Just go in there when it first pops up and have half your people die. It was wonderful. <laughs> it was an amazing experience. Yeah, Mass, yeah. Mass, Mass, the Mass Effect games, they, they got me. And as much as I don't love 3... Like I'd, I'd be lying if I didn't say when you when you get to like check in with everyone before you win the game, it didn't just like oh man, like good times, good times. That was more sad that like I was just done with this 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 trilogy of games that really affected me. Yeah, not that's so, more what I'm talking about. Not so much the content of it. Yeah, that, I think that's where. Yeah, I I pick up what you're laying down. There was Divinity Two, which after like 160 hours, I was saying goodbye to my friends. You know, like we. We had played quite the journey together weekend after weekend. And when that game came to a close, the ending sucked. (laughs) (laughs) I was intensely sad because it was such a great basis for our digital tabletop adventure. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know what, that kind of feeling like the, Oh my God, it like, like Frodo (laughs) leaving Mount doom. It's done. That was at the end of Wrath of the Lich King for me. Because that, that, was, that was closing the book on something I cared deeply about since I started Warcraft 3 late. I think since 2003. So here I am, t- 2010, at the end of a story I was deeply invested in since 2003. It was like eight years of me being completely obsessed and finally seeing the end of a character that I still freaking love. I think quite a bit of this, too, is just tied to when we grew up, like a burden of riches, a a plethora of amazing story games like KOTOR and then into Dragon Age and Mass Effect. Meanwhile, you got your Oblivion's Elder Scrolls, just like every franchise just firing off these wicked, amazing games. So anytime I finished something, it felt like I just picked up the next great thing. Now that feeling lingers a lot more. Like, I'm like, oh my God. I try not to be old man on my porch about the, you know, my generation of games versus the current slew, but holy shit. Yeah. Like, uh, it feels like we're, we, it's solid narrative experiences in video games are a lot more few and far between these days. They're expensive for sure. They're expensive. And there's just a lot of like great, I, I won't I won't dare call them time wasting because I love them. But you know, there's just a lot of great indie games that are puzzle based, math based, card games, uh, roguelites. Like there's a lot of game games to play right now. But as for your massive narrative experiences, uh, they they are very very stretched out. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot, man. Ocarina of Time. There were people there few parts mm-hmm. in there where it got me majora's mass as well like the, the 64 zeldas 
they 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 got to me too a bit yeah disturbing too like just oh yeah disturbing moments yeah i'm so uh absolutely <laughs> multiple times in halo now that i think about it too i was really this is like point in time like i was really excited for reach and the the ending of reach even though i knew where it was going like it it, it got me end of three got me i love halo man i love the halo campaigns that, that game that, that that franchise and those campaigns are really really special for me <sighs> kyle can you tell we love video games <laughs> I like games, man. Games are good. I like games. Yeah, games are good. Games, games make great. me feel things sometimes. They do. Uh, th- this is a open-ended question. Eka says, "What's your most nerding out moment?" Man, um, I mean, like my most awkward nerding out moment. I've got a couple of those. Uh, there's there's probably old BlizzCon footage of me walking up to the panel of voice actors for, I believe it was Diablo 3, and asking a question of, how do they laugh so long? And I got the answer of, we think of something funny. I was terribly disappointed. I was terrified and basically ran away. But, you know, I want to know how bad guys got themselves laughing. Like how characters have a good laugh for an extended period of time. Up on stage was uh, the voice match for... Uh, Legolas games he was kind of more known for at the time but he did Helsing and he did quite a few voices in Diablo 3 and other Blizzard games too uh, and I, I, I remember listening to Helsing you know the English dub and being like this guy's just laughing his ass off like an evil maniac this is great how do you laugh so much and they're like eh, we just kind of think of something funny <laughs> I was just terrified by the lameness of the answer to the question that I asked which was clearly lame and ran for my life out of that whole room um, but more recently it would have been when, uh, when Chris Metzen was streaming Warhammer, like he just randomly, he has like a friend who does a Warhammer stream. And if they're at the shop and he's playing Warhammer, they sometimes stream it. It's rather low key. You know, it's just kind of like 200 people watching, you know, seemingly random channels, not like chrismetson.com or anything like that. But they were doing a thing where, uh, you know, it was a brand new channel. So every time someone followed, they'd be like, hey, thank you, so-and-so. <laughs> so not knowing this, I joined. I see Chris Mezzan playing Warhammer. I'm like, oh, sick. I always wanted to learn Warhammer. Maybe I'll watch this some more. Followed. And then they said my name, and I nearly shut off my computer like a horrifying jump scare just happened. <laughs> you, oh, that's... I said my name, and I just ran for it. Oh, that's so delightfully dorky and wholesome. Closed all my windows. I was like, I can't. I'm not, I'm not ready for that. That was too much. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, I've had a lot. <laughs> I've had a lot. My first BlizzCon, I geeked out on Samwise, the artist, the the Warcraft artist. Well, actually, the all Blizzard game artist. I yeah. geeked out on him because, I, like, when I went to BlizzCon, I was fresh out of art school. My first BlizzCon was 2010. We were doing Starcast, but you weren't there, and I, I you know, we no, no one gave a shit. No one knew who I was, and we weren't. I wasn't. I didn't have a press pass. I wasn't able to secure any interviews at all. Uh, no one gave a crap. Um, so I was just there as a fan. So uh, I, I went around with uh, my art of Starcraft two book and I just wanted to get as many people from the Starcraft team to sign it as possible. Um, and so I went over to one of the, one of the artist panels and, you know, watched the whole thing. And then afterwards, a lot of the artists just hung out afterwards and, you know, we're, we're talking to people. So I met a lot of the artists that day, but, but I particularly geeked out on, on two of them. And one of them wasn't very nice and I'm not a big fan of him anymore, but uh, oh the my. other one was Samwise. Um, and Samwise uh, really took the time of day, like really gave me the time, really listened to what I had to say and talk about like 
why I thought he ruled and thought it was, it was a cool dude. Uh, and he just gave me the biggest bear hug. I think another human being Aww. has ever given me. Yeah. Um, so that was really cool. And that was really wholesome. Um, Samwise is a good dude. Um, I've geeked out on Chris Metzen, but I was very chill about that because he had just gotten off <laughs> a panel with Scott Johnson at Scott's Nerdtacular conference. And it was, I think a month before they announced Legion and Scott surprised Metzen. He got the, he got Liam O'Brien, the voice of Illidan to do an intro. And Metzen apparently almost had a heart attack on stage because he thought everyone knew about Legion and they were like leaking it on stage in that moment. And I didn't realize this, but Metzen, he seemed a little, he seemed like weirdly stressed out after, frazzled, after yeah. the small convention conference by yeah. Nerdtacular is like, I think 700 people compared to a BlizzCon's like 34,000. So I was like, oh, I'm surprised this, this panel got to him. We found it afterwards that he was, he was like, why the hell is Illidan talking right now? Um, so yeah, that was a really mild one. And then one time I, uh, I basically like drunkenly cornered Chris Sigety of, uh, the Starcraft two team, uh, to tell him that, uh, his game changed my life, which it did. Um, I was very drunk at BlizzCon one year. I was, it was 2 a.m. and we're leaving the Marriott bar because they literally closed it and uh, bumped into Chris Sigety. And I was just like, I love you, man. You rule. Your game changed my life. Um, and I was clearly very dr- drunk enough to talk like that, but not drunk enough to not forget such a cringy moment in my life. Sure. Yeah. I, I am proud of my Dustin Browder interaction, which I thought was very I wholesome. Never got to meet Dustin Browder. And that bums me out because I, I still think he's a really cool dude. Yeah, no, it was just, it was a simple like, hey man, thanks for tweeting about the game. You know, letting everybody know your thoughts and, and design is such a cool experience with Heroes of the Storm. Thank you. And he was like, oh, like did the, the hand on the chest kind of thing. Like, oh, well, thank you. Thank you. That'd be so much. And I was like, yeah. And then I left. Like I was, it was like, bam, did the moment. He felt great. I felt great. Left. I had places to go, you know, I didn't really have anywhere to go, but it was a cool flyby compliment and I nailed it. Hell yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, no, never got to meet Dustin Browder. It's a shame. Love Dustin Browder. You want to talk about game changing our lives? Here's a storm, man. Yeah. That shit put us on a path. Yeah, and he was involved in StarCraft too, <laughs> which is where we got started. Uh, Iprix asks, "Have you ever considered adopting a snake?" <laughs> I feel targeted, Kyle. They're good pets. You know, Kristen had a uh, for her birthday once. I got her a ball python. It was a good pet. I didn't know this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This was this was a long while ago now. Uh, but she had a ball python. We fed it, you know, live little you know, mice. <laughs> it was it was good. It was good. Um you know, it, it passed sadly and then tragically, like due to mites and stuff. So it was not it was not a like a happy end. So we're kinda like, Oh, is that, is that how snakes go? Yeah, that's not I don't mm. want to see that again. It's every soon. ferret we ever had was a tragic yeah. end, man. They almost always yeah. get cancer. It sucks. Yeah, can't, yeah, ferrets and cancer, that is definitely they get a little lumpy. And, they get they, they 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 get rid of that gland too early. All signs seem to point to that it promotes cancer and but oh man, they smell so bad if you don't get that gland removed. Well we didn't do we didn't do the gland removal. We did baths every week and it still happened. It's just there's oh. a lot of inbreeding with ferrets, mm. particularly Blackfoot ferrets. They're just inbred. Yeah, uh, they're amazing first pets, though. Like six years, great pet, cuddly, fun, playtime. Rip up your stuff, though. You know they're they're terrors in that. Oh way. yeah, yeah. They will they will ruin every piece of furniture if you let them. But uh, but no, uh, but like I mean, 
the snake was super duper chill and it was a really, really good pet, you know, never snapped at us or anything. There was, so there was a hot second where I legitimately wanted the snake when I was a kid. We had a family friend and their son, uh, had like three, uh, wow. different snakes and a tarantula. Um, okay. So they were that kid. Well, they were allergic to all traditional pets and it, cats, dogs, anything with fur. They were, they were like deathly allergic to it. So, but, but so they had, uh, they had two iguanas and I remember their house had like a pool deck and the they just let the iguanas have run of the pool deck. So they would go swimming in the pool. They would sunbathe on the loungers. Oh, cute. And they had a big cage where they, you know, you know, put them in if there's a bad storm or something. But for the most part, they just left the cage open and they had, they'd run of the, the back yard and they had uh, multiple terrariums for their snakes and their and their tarantula and it was always fun going over there and, and and hanging out with the snakes and I even held the tarantula once despite my deep phobia of arachnids I, I do not like spiders. Oh, uh, we had a our our math teacher in third grade had a tarantula named Rose and we had a club of people. It, it's third grade, right? Yeah, you, know, <laughs> you know the rite of passage was you had to let Rose crawl on your face, and if you could do that, you could be part of the club. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, I would not have been a part of that club. She was very, very sweet. Rose is a very, very sweet tarantula. <laughs> yeah, no, no. There's a hot second where I wanted the snake during that, but uh, then I was like, I don't think I could feed them live mice. I think that would bum me out because I also used to breed mice, and even though I used to sell the babies to a pet store, and you know exactly what was happening to them. Yeah, I felt very uh, attached to them. I, I, I uh, there were like four or five of them that I just kept until they you know, pass naturally. I, I loved my mice, but I was also an idiot kid. It was like, Oh, I can breed them and sell them and buy Sega games. Like I didn't, I was an idiot kid. I didn't realize like what was happening to them when I sold them to the pet store. We're, we're all industrious in bizarre ways in our youth. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's just, it came down to that, but I did, it was, I'd say there was a solid six months where I was like, mom, dad, can I get a snake? And they were like, frick, no, <laughs> no, you cannot. <laughs> Uh, we're all, we're getting deep today. Alberto asked Kyle. Alberto asked a lot of things, but this particular question, as asked a while ago, Alberto asked us, "When did you develop your sense of self?" Mine is really cheesy. Like, oh? I mean, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think most of us uh, have cheesy answers for this. Yeah, because what what else are you gonna say? Like, it is a rather profound moment journey in doing something like we do, which is striking out on your own, making you know, making this content creation your thing you got to have a heavy motivating structure and for the longest time it can't be money because because there was no money particularly if you started back in you know the early 2000s there when there just wasn't patreons or twitch subs or anything like that you just put it on the ether and that's what you did you know i just added the passion of it uh mine was i i was complained to, your, to my mom i was complaining to my mom that i wasn't popular and, uh, you know, the old kids were making fun of me and I love my Pokemon cards, but why didn't the popular kids like me? And she says, well, you know, you talk about Pokemon too much. Uh, you just, you, you, you hyper focus on these topics and, you know, you gotta back off on that and talk about what they want to talk about and listen. And so I do that. Like I really, I really put a solid six months into just not being myself. And I kind of worked my way up the chain at my school. And eventually I got invited to a D&D game. I was like, oh, hell yeah, I've always wanted, oh, this looks awesome, the monsters. I'm going to roll this 
elf ranger. It's going to be badass. Uh, this was uh, via the librarian. I talked about on stream the librarian who hosted the D&D games. You know, was was this the me. first time you ever played? It was going to be. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I was stuck after school. You know, I was an after school, like, kid. <laughs> Not like a latchkey. The school is too far away to latchkey. So I just sit in the school uh, paying for aftercare and hanging out with the librarian. Basically, and we made a character on her computer with a very rudimentary uh, rudimentary program. And so I'm like, all right, I got my character. It's printed out. D&D 3.0. Let's do this. Mom, can I go to D&D this weekend? She said, no. I'm like, well, 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 why not? Well, because that would make you unpopular. Oh. Well, I don't want to be popular anymore. <laughs> I want to play d and I'm done. And so that moment, I was like, yeah, I'm just going to like what I like. This is this is ridiculous. Why do I keep hiding things that I like so that I can be somebody else? It was a miserable experience. And that defines such a huge part of what I do. So when we got into content creation, what I wanted to make was this. You can call it a space, but more just an opportunity for people to just be themselves and geek out as hard as they wanted to. That was a unique thing. Nowadays, there's you know, thousands of YouTube channels and Twitch channels, and we all kind of find our pocket where it's like, oh, yeah, we can talk about this like really intensely over here, and you kind of find your jam, and so people can localize around it. But for the most part, I just love seeing people have that spark in their eye and be themselves, and it just means so much to little me, the little me that lives inside me, when people are truly into something with just no reservations about it. Damn, man. I never heard that story. Yeah, well, it's, it's cheesy. It's, you know, it's a... I, I don't think it is. I think that's, I think that's, that's, uh, uh, that's fucking legit. <laughs> like, yeah, it was a personal, it's like, a personal I'm, journey that's... Like, I, like, I, I think about, like, when I, when I push back against my parents, like, it, it was for such I think smaller reasons like that's that, that, that was, that's that was big of you, man, to, to come to that realization. I think that's, that's profound for a kid. Well, it is, it's so different. Like nowadays it's like, dude, be who you want do whatever you want. Like you have to imagine like that late nineties, early two thousands bully culture. And you basically had to accept that you were going to face that every day, but you loved what you loved more than the bullying got to you, right? It, it seems like an easy decision to make in the age of the internet because it's so easy to enter in, like, you know, find fans of X, enter on the internet and find a group and, and kind of live online, regardless of your social surroundings at the time. Yeah, man, dude, I I feel that. You're talking about the 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 90s bully culture like that's that totally plays into like my answer as well. Like I was I think I think what the, the way I'm internalizing uh your story, I think what your what what your mom maybe didn't explain the best way what she was trying to tell you was you you lacked self-awareness. Which yeah. I think can be a healthy tip. Um <laughs> you know, so you talk about Pokemon too much is like kind of, I was like, oh, it's a bummer. It's like, oh, you, you, you like the thing. Let, let, celebrate that. <laughs> but you literally do. Like, you know, there's pick and choose your battles too. Like it was an important lesson that I don't, 
I don't hold her, I should say, I no longer hold her accountable for. Like, of course, you know, that hurt. It, it hurts yeah. anytime you're at like the Thanksgiving table and someone's like, well, the conversation's moved on. And you're like, but I didn't get to tell my story. <laughs> what, what do you mean? Like we all have, I think that defining moment of socialization as a, you know, teen, an early yeah. teen. Oh, what? Yeah. One, 100%. Yeah. And anyway, I bring that up because I, I think that was what I was struggling with before I kind of developed my, my sense of self too, was like that, like that lack of self-awareness. Of like, well, I don't want to talk about the boring shit you want to talk about. I want to talk about Pokemon, Star Wars, and Dragon Ball Z. Um, and and that didn't do well for me in grade school. <laughs> um, but I, I, high school, man, like I, I developed, I definitely developed in high school because I had this this clean break where I, I had spent preschool through eighth grade at the local Catholic school. I had the same kids. Like, I think we capped out at like 34. I think it was the biggest class I ever had and had the same kids every year from preschool to eighth grade with some minor deviations in, in who was in class with us. And uh, it just, it sucked. Is <laughs> the easiest way to, without getting too personal, the easiest way to describe that. Um, and so I had this clean break getting into high school. And freshman year was like, whatever. I was kind of like finding myself. Um, and, and figuring shit out as I went, but, but late, late freshman year of high school, uh, uh, I went to my first concert. And so like the, the easy answer like of, of how I developed my sense of self was like, I, I found, I found the, the punk rock community, like, and that does sound cheesy, but that is 100% where I got my shit together a little bit socially. Cause like I was an I, I was an angry kid. I had a big chip on my shoulder cause I was bullied a lot. And I, I was very angry at people for not accepting me for, for, for how I decided to be, um, for like stupid shallow reasons, by the way, <laughs> like, like stop picking on me because I like star Wars. Um, and I, I went to my first punk show. It was, uh, it was a good ridden strike anywhere and headlining was anti-flag. And it was at this little local shitty place that they've since ruined. They gentrified the shit out of this place. They no longer have punk, punk rock shows there and, makes me angry to this day. Um, but like, I, I remember going and being scared because I was like, Oh, there's mosh pits. I'm going to die. And, and, and the, the, literally the pit opened up in front of me and I saw these kids like just running into each other. And the first kid that falls down, someone like picks them up, helps them back up and they continue on having fun. I remember one person even being like, Hey, you dropped your wallet and handing it to the kid kid. And then the circle pit <laughs> opened back up. And I was just like, Oh, it's a community. <laughs> <laughs> we're all, people are here for each other and they're, and, and, and they're very accepting. And even at the time, while I had this clean break and high school was definitely going way better than grade school for me, I was still catching a lot of shit from the real punks, the quote unquote real punks. I'm doing air quotations. You can't see this. It's audio, uh, for liking Blake way too, and liking green day and these, these popular pop punk bands that weren't quote unquote real punk as far as the, whoever the shit decided the real punks were. So I was still catching shit for that. But then like, you saw all walks of life at this, at this first concert I went to every, like there were, there were kids with blink shirts, you know, but there were crust punks. Like there were like people I'm pretty sure actually lived on the street that decided to go to the show that night. Like that were the quote unquote real punks. And everyone was just getting along, having the best time of their lives, not fighting, not yelling about their, whatever their particular opinion about, about music was. And, um, and I, and after that, I just got super sucked into it. I started playing in garage bands. Uh, it, it just made me more confident. Like I, 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 
I think I was able to hold down like actual relationships with people as a result of that. Like, cause I was not a confident person until this experience. So yeah, I don't know. I did a, I think I struggled with community cause growing up it was nothing but church and that was wrapped up in the Catholic school that I went to and I resented all of that. And it wasn't until like punk that I finally found a community that I chose that I got to choose and that I felt accepted me for who I was. Uh, and also as an angry kid, uh, punk kind of channels anger for and makes it productive. <laughs> and I think at the, and I don't think that's always a good thing, but I think at the time, I think it really helped me out and gave me an outlet um, that helps me be a better functioning member of society. Cause I had this purge I had a place where I could go and let all that energy out. Um, and uh, it's still really important to me. It's, it's why it's why my musical tastes have not uh, evolved all that much because uh, I still, uh, I still, I still love that community and feel like I, I owe a lot to it. So, yeah, punk rock rules, man. All, yeah, all forms of that. it, like what you like. Also, just I'm that way about D and D. Yeah, also just in general, Blink One Eight Two, because those do, do, those dudes are losers, and they figured out how to be, <laughs> how to be like a socially functioning human being. Like they're I've, dorks, and yeah. they figured it out. I mean, roll twenty or uh, or uh, uh, critical roll. Yeah, right? like critical roll. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like those are some big dorks. Great sure. example. Yeah, exactly. How to how to how to how to be a, a, a hard on your sleeve, you know, ride or die nerd, but still be a, a functional member of society that can you know <laughs> keep <laughs> social relationships going. <laughs> so yeah, there's there's there's, there's a lot of there's a lot wrapped up in there for me. So. Uh, let's see. Ba, 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 ba. I, yeah, I think I, it's time for uh, Final Fantasy. I think we. I, I think it, our hour mark. I think it is. I think it is. Let's let's move into the Final Fantasy fourteen specific stuff here. Uh, and we'll just we'll just start in. I think these are more or less in the order they were received. But uh, Nah, just Nah wrote in and said, nah. "Do you ever intend to do statistics slash voice chat for some of the hardest? Con- oh, oh, statics, not statistics. Statics or voice chat for some of the hardest content when you get to it, or is it so far away from now that you don't need to worry about that yet? Uh, it's so far away from now, I don't need to worry about it yet. It is something I'm I think about decently enough, um, but." I definitely kind of take on that creative director role, the DM role when it comes to planning out the streams and kind of what our content is going to be, or, you know, Oh, we have this recorded so we can stream this or let's stream. uh, Let's do a a minimum my level fight this night because we're still working on this footage and all that sort of thing. So I do think about it often. My biggest concern is just voices, uh, voice quality, uh, I'm not concerned with the size of statics in Final Fantasy 14. Like we would have people saying bad words too much or anything like that. Cause we could pretty easily uh, find cool people in our community to play with. It's more just like what the production looks like. And if voice chat will make a better experience for the viewer. So it's a, it's a weird situation, right? Cause now we do like a, we're talking on high, we get in a voice chat, but everyone's muted, but Gary and I, and everyone can hear us. And we're exploring something that other people already know, so it adds that spoiler-free level to it. But if we were all progging, if we were all in there with a purpose to beat a brand new thing, listen to everybody's very important. How do you make that into a functioning show that is 
interesting to listen to. And I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. They answered that. I think it's very. I think it's very difficult, and it's something. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little sensitive to, and also I think it, all of what you just said plays into the reason why I'm just not thinking about it right now. Yeah. I think we're so far off. At this rate, we're gonna need to get to the end of the next expansion before we need to answer this question. Probably. Yeah, that's yeah. very true. Yeah. Um, but it's something we're thinking about and actively trying not to. At least I am. <laughs> Uh, slip another Alberta one in here. Uh, can we have a karaoke stream where you two sing boss fight songs? Uh, that, uh, flip, we're going to need to make that an absolutely absurd, like uh, super chat goal or Patreon goal. Uh, yeah. What can I even do with my voice? Um, a lot of the songs the, are in Japanese, aren't they? I could do some Ravana. I guess they aren't. Uh, no, there's a lot of English and a lot yeah. of English. Um, but they really like their 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 warbling, their um, their, um, it's not operatic, but it's it, to me it just sounds like Star Trek, like all the Heaven's Word kind of songs. The lady going in the background, and you know it's, it's beyond my range. But I could do some Ravana. I could probably get on Ravana Part Two. Yeah, don't. Nothing comes to mind that. I could, I could sing. Also, I'm still getting over sore throat. So the prospect of singing right now uh, is nightmarish. Absolutely nightmarish. <sighs> um, let's see. No, I already asked a question. Got another non here. Let's go to Sonic Rose. It says, uh, what are you most curious to learn the answer to? Something you don't know that you've probably just gotten smiles for. Uh, I guess a uh, spoiler alert, your expansion here in case of listener issue need what? Oh, well, if, if the question is pertaining to Shadowbringers, for instance, it might be a spoiler to people. So this would be like a spoiler question while also at, talking about like it gets a weird place. It's a weird place. I mean, my answer, I, I think I could keep relatively spoiler free. It will include a name that if you haven't gotten there, will should mean nothing to you, which I'll just okay. say in general, I'm just kind of curious as to the ultimate fate of solace. Mm, I just sure. kind of want to know how that arc plays out. I do not want answers. I do not want hints. If you even send me a hint, I will block you. <laughs> uh, but that, that I'm just, I want to know if this character uh, lives up to the hype. I think that's in general, like just the big thing is we're still watching the the sandwich be made behind the counter at Subway. Like we're only just getting to the lettuce being put on and it, it, there's a lot of lettuce. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be good or not. There's a lot of lettuce. So I currently do not have any questions, merely just fears on landing the ending. And if they can bring together all these different pieces into something functional, I hate I hate uh, Evangelion's ending so much. I hate astral endings so much. And it, it's par for the course in this sort of uh, franchise. I'm, I'm concerned. Hmm. You, you, you have high standards. I do. I and also weirdly standards. specific standards. I, well, yeah. Yeah. I, I like what I like. <laughs> 
if you end up not liking the end of it, I'm going to be like, you know, if you just watched it in Japanese, you probably would have liked it because you would have it would have made it better for you. It would have been less awkward. That That's ultimately the crux of it is when it's not in my native language, I find things less awkward in delivery. I, I think their localization team is freaking incredible. Yeah, no, I think the English voice cast is uh, absolutely stellar. So just it'll to, ultimately yeah. come down to what tone they want to hit on the end and whether or not they belabor that. Yeah. Uh, Abelvan asked, uh, given what you have experienced in 14 so far, did this garner any interest in other Final Fantasy games and related media? Any that you are looking forward to more than others? If you are more interested, uh, definitely. Um, we've talked about this on stream a few times. I I think at the most I want to beat Final Fantasy X because it's the only other Final Fantasy I've played. I played it back in the day. It came with my PlayStation 2, um, but I never beat it. And so like it kind of feels like the game that got away to me. And now that I'm fully immersed in the language of Final Fantasy, uh, I really want to return to it. Plus, a turn-based RPG sounds really friggin' chill right now. Yeah, it's definitely made me reconsider some of the more modern Final Fantasy games because I just wanted turn-based. And when they moved away from that, I went, oh, this is not the game for me anymore. Granted, I only played 10, thought it was amazing. Then immediately it felt like it switched off a turn-based. So I left Final Fantasy before my interest veered into other directions. But now they're more accessible. I would say more so right now, it's just made me more interested in anime and Japanese games, JRPGs like persona five. I don't think I would be as interested as looking forward to it. Now playing persona five Royale, unless I was playing final fantasy. Mm. The, 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 the length of JRPGs has always been the reason I've never really played them. Uh, yeah, they're intense. The sure. older I get, the more compounding of an issue that becomes, so it's, 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 uh, and also just seeing like the, how ravenous the audience is for these kind of things. So if I were to make like a video about a JRPG, I just know I'd be inundated by comments of, but you didn't go do this thing. That's 70 hours deep. And I'm just, there's a lot of navigating other people's FOMO that, uh, I, that, that kind of scares me away. Yeah, most of it comes from a good place. And I find the majority of where it becomes warped is when people want you to have a better experience. So for me right now, like that happened with Final or with uh, Persona 5, I leave my companions on auto battle. And that was upsetting to some. <laughs> but for me, like I'm not going to invest in that level of strategy until I know the game is good or until it presents a problem that requires me to become better. But they just want you to have that, like that true experience they felt they had at that time, that they really, that that made the game more interesting for them. And they're fearful that you are going to dislike it. That's why there's so much advice piled on early. It, it's, it's all just joy and fear mixed together in this, in this weird unleashing that happens that we all do when we want someone to enjoy something we enjoy. I think it's well said. It's well said. Persona 5 does look like something I'd enjoy, by the way. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, Fjord Explorer asks, regardless of mechanics of all the trials in Final Fantasy XIV you've done so far, what is your favorite song? Probably Biakos. Biakos was good. 
Probably Biako's theme. I really I just, like that music. I love uh, Thordan's music so much. I I just that speaks to me on a base level that like the Halo Choir does that action mixed with this operatic noise. It just gets me mm. every time. Uh, that's Biako for me. It gets me on a literal bass level. That bass line with the distortion sounds amazing. Little little bass joke for you there, everybody. Enjoy. Noelle asks, when are we getting the official Final Fantasy XIV cookbook cocktail reviews? Oh, I've talked about this on stream. I'm a massive cocktail snob, and I have never seen a cocktail spec in a video game-themed recipe book that was good. They're always crap that involve freaking food coloring just to make it look themed after whatever it is that you're making and it's usually with vodka which is a flavorless liquor i get you yeah, yeah there's you know the star wars cookbooks that are just so heavy on the cake siding and um what are those called like uh, the pops that were really popular there for a little bit little cake pops cake, cake pops. pops yeah yeah those things aren't good <laughs> they're just balls of sugar on top of a little bit of cake but they, they look nice. They look yeah. Nice. About the worst that cake could be. Fondant also just not delicious. Fondant doesn't taste very good. Yeah. It's no, like no. eating a lightly sugared Play-Doh. Yeah, you're meant to kind of peel it off at the end of the day. Uh, I don't think most people have at it with any determination. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is the thing where I like I always disappoint people. I'm like, I have no interest. <laughs> Like every time I get one of these and I've gotten many of them as gifts, I always look at the specs and I'm like, that's, that's a bad cocktail. Yeah. I mean, some of that is coming from, from me and some disappointing gifts that I've given Kristen in the past. Like I've given her, she loves cooking. She does a, she's an amazing chef. Um, but they're cooking, baking, baking, right? Baking is following instructions. Cooking is, is hell be with you and whatever you want. Experiment time. Baking is science. Yeah. She's really good at baking. And cooking, but you know, you you know the difference. And so when she sees these recipes and some of these nerd books I've got in the past, she's just like, I, "I'm not doing that. <laughs> that. That's so much work." There's literally nothing in this world I am snobbier about than cocktails. I have very strong opinions. So, yeah, I've just recently tiki has had me having fun again, but I'm also very snobby about my tiki drinks. So, yeah, sorry. Uh, Winston asks, wall of mechanics when? Also, what is your favorite and most hated boss mechanic? I don't know if I have an answer for that, but. Oh, what? mine is definitely the multi egg drop stand in the middle of all the Venn diagrams crossing from Shinryu Extreme. Uh, oh, you know what? No, no, it's plus or minus. It's, it's magnet, magnet uh, mechanics. I hate them. Yeah. I truly hate yeah. them. And everyone always answers the same when we say that we don't get these. They're like, well, opposites attract and the same pushes you away. I'm like, that's fine. I understand that. What I don't know my first time ever running a boss is if I would rather be pushed <laughs> away or pulled together because I've never done the freaking boss before. Man. Yeah. No, that's not good. People, people read the description and you do. And you're just like, I still don't. Also, how do console players read the description? How do they uh, also, do how do you read it fucking fast enough to know what you're doing? Like, in, in the, the middle of the fight. Can yeah. you tell you struck a nerve here? 
no, it, it, it's true. It's true. Like th- this to me is very much in that same caveat of if you would just do X, you would have more fun and your complaints make me fearful that you don't like the thing I like. Like it's perfectly natural to feel this way, but much like leaving my persona five characters on auto, like we're not there yet. Like when, when we get to that level, then we'll immediately go to read because I'm not so busy doing my samurai rotation. Right now, I'm so busy trying to figure out what button to hit next that I, I don't have the spare APM and IPM to go read at the same time a boss is doing a brand new thing. Because there's a good amount of things in Final Fantasy XIV that uh, you can you can suss out just by looking at the fight, at looking at the battlefield and reacting in real time. And it's so one of the great victories that, of the game. That's, that's my strategy for going at a fight for the very first time in Final Fantasy is just pay attention to what's happening in front of me and not to read things because there's so many reused tells uh, that that's what I'm that's what I'm on the lookout for um, and again it's, it's like and, and, and I'm never going to get math boss listen it's never going to happen I, uh, I have resigned myself I cannot math that fast I can't do it <laughs> I cannot do it math is not my strong suit so yeah there's there's other there's been so many there's things like that too where I now have like reading PTSD where I'm like it doesn't matter how much I read this it ain't happening so uh so so yeah, but a wall of mechanics. I mean, we could do a wall of mechanics. It'd be all right, particularly with them being reused, you know, in, in a lot of fights and mixed in different ways. It's deep in there. It's for sure very deep with a very uh encyclopedic knowledge of the game that we do not possess yet. Yeah. Butter and Coffee asks, any thoughts on attempting or completing any of the relic weapons after finishing all of the MSQ out there? Uh, I would say for me, it's it's very low on my interest level. Um, uh, are there relic weapons in multiple expansions, or is it we're just talking about the end of a realm reborn here? Yes, I believe I believe there is one per expansion. The realm reborn ones are hotly sought after and very long, uh, grindy to get because the realm reborn ones are like super duper bright. But again, this is all like side knowledge that I haven't really researched up to this point because it is not high on the list as we level jobs for role quests. Like, that's kind of the big grind right now. Honestly, a lot of it will just come down to what we're able to make out of on the stream. Like, I would be more than fine with that content as our hangout, much like I'd be fine doing more Eureka or Bonds something eventually. Oja, I think. Yeah, something like that. Not sure how to pronounce it, actually, but... But that, that all is perfectly good like hang out talk about movies grind content but it needs to have that purpose yeah and be a productive streaming experience yeah my own my own the only ones i've I, i've seen and i know that the relic weapons are the realm reborn ones and they're basically made of light which i don't it doesn't really do much for me unless i had a paladin i have to get the paladin one if i'm yeah, a paladin, paladin because ones, paladins yeah. they're so glowy that the, the their relic weapon like fits with their whole aesthetic so perfectly but uh I don't need any of the others from a realm reborn. So beyond that, I haven't thought about it much. Although now I am tabbing through it on Google images and there's a giant purple curve. What looks like dark Knight sword and I need it. It looks really cool. I'm sure it's a lot of work. That's the point, right? <laughs> this is, this is your grind. Looks like time worn. I don't, I don't know what this means. Anyway, um, very, very low on my current, my current interest level, but uh, I a lot of my opinions about Final Fantasy 14 have changed, including my overall opinion about Final Fantasy 14. So things could change between now and when I would have time to pursue this. Uh, access. 
547 asks, do you guys plan on running some Savage when you're finished with the story or not your thing? Yes. Yes, very much to the earlier question of voice chats and statics. It would be about figuring out the best way to do it. Likely Savages, we would pre-look up strategies and do the whole we're going to beat it, you know, like normal players do kind of thing. Yeah. This would have been good to bookend the other question with, but uh, we were just going through unvetted, unvetted questions. So we can't turn things down that are awkward answer. Eric asks, a spell with a A-R-R-E-K, since you both now have an understanding for, uh, or sorry, a basis for understanding Final Fantasy, any thoughts to having a D&D campaign set up where y'all run as Scion, BC, or maybe even D-Team, while you hear tales of Valentina in the background. That would be fun. I've done that before. It's it, it's an it's an elementary mistake in a lot of ways. Like the majority of players, unless they were part of your previous campaign, aren't going to note names or care about previous adventures. So it, mm. it would have to be it, it'd be a delicate touch, right? If you splashed it in, if you made Valentina interesting characters to your D&D table who do not understand who that is. But just placing your own personal references and own characters throughout a campaign, it, it's masturbatory is what it is at the end of the day. <laughs> it doesn't make for a better campaign. And oftentimes, everyone just kind of sits there and like, what the hell is the DM talking about? Like, what's he doing? Well, what's all this? What's going on? Yeah. As for stealing from Final Fantasy fourteen for D&D stuffs, yes. Absolutely. The ideas are abundant and they have some really cute ideas with uh, particularly like building out fast stories, making you care about people fast, making you like a town really fast. Mm. I've, I've never had a satisfying conclusion to a single tabletop role-playing campaign. Um, we, they've always just kind of petered out. Um, so a, a custom campaign is very far down my list uh, from just wanting to actually get to the end of a Star Wars or Dungeons and Dragons campaign. It's a lot of work. It's a lot yeah. of hours. We did. We did Edge of the Empire for two years and never, and just just kind of never met again. <laughs> and it bums me out. I miss those characters. It does happen. It it does. It does. <laughs> Uh, all right. Sev said, uh, in the vein of tropes, since uh, DSR, that's Dragon Song Revival. Yeah. Reprise, maybe? Reprisal. Yes. Uh, if you forget. Yeah. As retreading content you have already seen, have you been following Echo's Trials and Tribulations with Ultimate? Uh, I feel like I'm having to admit to a lot of things that I just don't care about. Um, <laughs> I have never given a shit about the race the world first in any in any MMO I've ever played. I've never watched it for World of Warcraft. I'm never gonna watch it for World of Warcraft. I don't care. Um it's not something I find all that interesting. Um and again kind of ties into like my concerns. I don't think it's good content. I don't I don't want to just listen to people like yell <laughs> for hours on end until they finally clear a dungeon. I'd rather watch the highlight afterwards and see the cliff notes. It's it's not something I personally want to want to watch i i realize it's like wildly popular but i think this gets into i think it's because i create content i think if i you know was just a fan i just played and it was it was a hobby and a hobby only i could see myself getting into it but i'm just like i'm not gonna 
I'm not going to watch like weeks worth of, <laughs> of streaming content um, about a, about a game that I play when I should be spending weeks worth of time creating content. That's certainly a factor. Uh, I mean, for me, I come from, you know, now after the past several years doing a lot of esports coverage with here's the storm and interviewing pro players. And there is a reason they are pros. Uh, they are extremely mechanical. They're very math minded. And oftentimes when you ask a pro player of any game, how'd you get, how do you get good? They'll tell you, well, we practice a lot. And also, you know, my teammates are really good and we just kind of match very well. And we've been friends since we were in middle school and information that you can't act on because they're not teachers. They're mechanical pro players. So I definitely see the appeal of like opening all seven world's first streams and building your own storyline through that, whether or not Twitch lets you do that with ads every time you like tab out of a panel. It's not very doable these days. I guess you get one of those like multi-Twitch websites and kind of plug in all the various streams at once and mute and unmute and kind of make your own casted experience. But for me, what I need to get into something like that heavily is something more on the ground. Something more personal that makes me care about these individual players. And that's where my kind of content brain goes. Like, I really, really enjoy the learning process, the teaching process, and pulling out of pro players gems of information was a really cool puzzle. So when I watch these sort of events, I want to see that kind of on the ground level, out there with the troops, and somebody interviewing them, someone to ask them, why did that go wrong? And then probing a little deeper than just, uh, we, we missed the window of something. Because to that, they don't need to describe things better than that. They're, they're literally playing. They're machines. That must machine. It's an interesting way to put it. Yeah, and it's, it's something I struggle with. I was like, I, I don't, like, 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 I'm already thinking back five seconds ago and I was like, I don't think it's good content. I'm like, I don't think that's, I don't think that's right. I don't think it's content that's for me. Like I respond, That's fair like, too. And, it, and it speaks to what you just talked about. Like I, I, I respond to personality. I think it's a reason uh, I was, I was so in Hearthstone for so damn long. Um, Cause, and you know, both, you definitely have your mathematically minded players in Hearthstone as well. But a lot of the most famous people in Hearthstone aren't pros or exit the pro scene at the top of their game. Cause they're just more successful as content creators. Cause they're such strong personalities. Like, even though they could continue just decimating <laughs> yeah. the tournament field. Um, like, like I go all the way, like uh, to me, like the, my favorite content creator is day nine uh, since moved on from Hearthstone. And, but I got started with him in Starcraft too. Um, and that, that's the kind of, that's what I really respond to. Like I'll still, I still watch day nine highlights. Uh, it's very rare. I watch any stream live these days. So you, uh, Hey, if you're out there streaming, have a YouTube archive. Um, cause that's, that's, that's at least how I, how I pick stuff up. I watched so much day nine's Elden Ring playthrough. It was so entertaining. Oh my God. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's just, that's just what it boils down to. There's something about that. Like, that's the kind of thing that I rating and raid progression. If I think at its core, it's something I would rather play than watch because I watch it and I immediately want to turn it off and go run a raid. I think that's the sign of a good game. Like, I think esports should make you want to turn it off and go play a video game right now. You know, esports, esports succeeded. Now, there's a level then when you hit an understanding of the mechanics and the jobs, classes, characters, heroes, 
champs, whatever it may be, that you go, now I can come back to this and see what they do right and see how I personally could improve by watching this further. I also think that Sven's question might be a little tied to other ends. Like there might be some some drama we might not be aware of. So I'm sorry if we're answering the question wrong. Like I know, I think Echo might be a previous WoW guild that has really, really struggled inside of Final Fantasy. And so they may have also like trashed it. I don't, I don't know. I feel like I saw some sort of storyline involved with Echo or maybe someone else where they've just had the worst time trying to clear this ever. I have, I have no idea. But yeah, and also like practically when this did release, I didn't understand that it was retreading old content. So like when this was current and the hot thing to watch, I was staying away from it for fear of spoilers. So, yeah. Plus, I think it like Rima, isn't it? It's like alternate, alternate fiction. Like it's not real lore. So I kind of don't want to see it and would rather experience it myself for the like in game for the first time, even though it's not considered like canon. It's, uh, I think that Final Fantasy MMOs in general uh, have a language of movement and mechanics that is better experienced inside the game. I don't think any MMO looks particularly grand in screenshots. Mm. Because it's about motion, feeling, music, all of those aspects of you yourself controlling it, coming together for an in-game experience. Well said. All right, let's, let's end with a truly bizarre question. Okay. And I'm sorry, because it's a little more geared towards me than you. But Abovan asks, what characters in the Final Fantasy XIV universe would you want to go to a car show with? Wow. I would go with Alphano, because he probably doesn't know jack about cars. (laughs) And we would go talk about something else. Maybe do some people watching. (laughs) I feel like Alice would drive a hot boy car. What's a hot boy car? Uh, Japanese import car probably slammed to the ground to a point where it is wildly impractical to actually drive it. Okay. You're all about that Instagram clout. I see. It's more about pictures of the car than the actual maneuvering of the vehicle. Yes. Yes. How does it look in a photo? For some reason, I just feel like Alice would have a slam Toyota 86 absolutely just just like car. who ooh, who would have who would have a tasha which are those tasha? uh it's the, the where you'd like you dedicate your whole car to a single like woman from an anime <laughs> oh sure sure it doesn't have to be anime right like we had uh the cookie monster in Tallahassee. it was like just this big blue spinning rims machine and I, I, you know i never thought about that as a tasha but i guess that technically all right what is the actual fin- translation of Atasha. I've never looked this up. I just know what it's called. In Japan, an Atasha is a car decorated with images of characters from anime, manga, or video games. The literal translation is painful or cringeworthy plus the symbol for car. Oh my god, that's incredible. I'm just learning this right now. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, dude. In in Tallahassee, Florida, it started with the Cookie Monster, and then by the time I left, there was a Big Bird and count car being driven around. Oh, wow. I've never experienced anything like that. The count was badass. The count was like a purple convertible, like an old convertible type. Okay. Yeah. Wow. 
All right. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, given that literal translation, yeah, that is Atasha. That is cringe and car. <laughs> but now I'm just trying to figure out who in Final Fantasy XIV would, uh, would have a Natasha car. Oh, Orion J. Mm. I can see Orion J being super into classics, knowing everything about them, and just pontificating with every word in the English dictionary about what makes each classic special. Ah, you see, in a time before fuel injection, Prey did call upon carburation to mix air and fuel. Yeah, well, he, I mean, he would also just like, I don't, I, I don't trust that guy right now. I don't, that's a video coming up, but I don't trust that guy. I think he lies. I think he lies about everything. I don't know what he's into. I don't know him anymore. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, that's good. That's a good question. Thanks, Apple Man. And thanks, everybody, for the questions. I think we're going to end it there. I uh, hope you enjoyed this. Uh, I hope this was a good fun to hold you over while we're both out and about for different reasons. But keep it in common feedback at startgrindinggear.com or drop us a message in the members-only channel of the Discord. Skip the inbox line entirely. It's a nice perk for our YouTube members and our patrons. And uh, speaking of those patrons, thank you so much for the badass support, everybody. You can support us by going to supportourbromance.com since we are uh, recording this ahead of time to bank it. Because that's what happens when you travel. You do that sometimes. We're not going to thank recent patrons because we don't know who you are yet. But thank you so much for signing up and we'll make sure to thank you next week. But there's also a special level of backers that we thank each and every week and that's our legendary level backers. So thank you so much to Sean B, Mike R, Stephen J, Wayra E, Das, Cheesy Bob, and Sean with an E-A-B. Really appreciate your support. If you want to become a legendary level backer, all the info can be found at supportourbromance.com. And we'll thank you every week. Thank you so much for your very generous support, everybody. Thank you. Uh, other than that, you can keep up with us and what the hell's going on, why we're missing by following us on Twitter. I'm at Garrett Art. Kyle is at Kyle Ferguson. And we have a joint account for all of our content at Garrett and Kyle, at least until Elon Musk burns the place to the ground. Then we'll just be at somewhere else. Yeah, uh, we'll but we're not currently at Telegram. We're not at Telegram. Do not follow that. No, no. Yeah, that thing. Yeah, we're getting getting uh, 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 not us accounts commenting on our YouTube. That is not us. Uh, also, not on Mastodon. Everyone's saying it's going to be Mastodon. You're wrong. There's no way that thing is going to actually get picked up by people. It is too obtuse. I don't know. There's no I don't way. Know anything There's just about no this. universe. I I applaud the attempt, but no, no. That's going to wrap it for this episode of the Grinding Gear podcast. We'll see you either with a guest or, or with a dad times two Kyle very soon. Until then, GG. Take care. <laughs>